Hello and welcome to The Huddle. Liam Santa Maria back with you. Happy New Year. And uh, again, I say it this week, it's a weird time in the NBL. A lot of people, a lot of teams, a lot of players dealing with uh, being unwell in isolation and um, a lot of games being, some being postponed, some opponents being switched up, schedule changes left, right and centre. And to help me make sense of it all, I'm bringing on Derek Rucker, the 1990 MVP, the second greatest shooter to ever come out of Davidson, and uh, a man who is back on the broadcast crew. Looking forward to breaking all that down with him in a minute. So sit back, relax. Up next, Derek Rucker. All right, Rock, what's happening, mate? Not much, Liam. Thanks for having me back. And uh, look, I need to correct you right off the bat. <laughs> hey, if you go through the Davidson annals and the stats, at the top of the all-time career three-point shooting percentage is yes. none other than your boy, D. Rucker. <laughs> number two oh. number two is Wardell yes. Stephen Curry. Now, look, he's done some pretty awesome things after college. So, you know, some might say that, yeah, he is the greatest shooter of all time. Okay, but but for right now, you're going to claim it at the college level. I'm claiming it. How could I, I not? I like it. <laughs> I like it. Um, yo, as I said off the top, uh, back on the broadcast crew, super pumped about that. You're going to be uh, our man on the ground uh, up there in far north, well, in southeast Queensland and in far north Queensland, and I'm pumped for that, mate. Welcome back. Thank you, Liam, and uh, I guess I owe you – uh, some level of gratitude as well, because you always kept me in the equation, uh, having me on the podcast here last season. And you know how much I love the NBL. Uh, it's been a part of my life for, Jesus, 31 years now. So, uh, you know, I'm excited to be back. And it's an exciting time, despite everything that the players and the league office and administrations are going through. It is still a very exciting time. Uh, hell no, nothing to do with me. You're an absolute legend of the league and the real winners are the viewers who are going to uh, be able to access your thoughts and your insights and your read of the game throughout the games. And, uh, and all things going well, as per the current schedule <laughs> at time of recording here on Thursday uh, morning, uh, we'll be working together on that New Zealand at Brisbane game this weekend. Um, now, you mentioned all those schedule changes and everything that the clubs and teams are dealing with. Uh, tough time tough time not just for the schedule and all of that and for the fans to try to navigate through all that but also for you know everyone who's getting sick because some people don't get too unwell but other people get pretty knocked around by this omicron variant of um of the virus so i guess that's a good place to to start and to to sort of um shout out and and make mention of um, and to think about those people that are in isolation right now, they're doing a bit tough. Well, look, we all went through, I mean, most of us went through an extended lockdown last year. Unfortunately, Victorians experienced it to the, the highest extreme. And uh, we know how tough that is, even when you're healthy. Mm. To go through being unwell, even if, even if it is for 7, 10, or 14 days, and not being able to do the thing you love to do most um, is very trying. And, you know, I've said it before on other platforms, but I have the utmost respect for what these players and coaches have been able to to go through um, this. I would have struggled. I'm, I'm going to be straight and I, I'm not, I don't think I'm a mentally weak person, but there are some things that triggered me and uncertainty 
and not having things laid out perfectly as I wanted them to be under my control really would have driven me nuts. And waiting day to day, Liam, not only not knowing when games are going to go ahead, but are we going to be able to practice today? How many guys do we have at training? You know that feeling. What? There's nothing worse, man, than having eight or nine guys at training and not being able to go five on five. Or maybe your 50-year-old assistant coach has to step in and you're like, it's not the same, man. You know, you want to get out there and go. But we've all been in, you've been in that situation too, where it's like, let's play five on four for a while. And you're like, this sucks. <laughs> well, and everything, things sucked at practice for me when we went half court. I needed to go full court and get up right. and down half court with Chris Ansey and Brett Wheeler. And uh, these guys kind of uh, bearing down on, on anything I tried to get up was, was a problem. But I will say for me, those days, those Monday or Tuesday sessions when the team had a double or a triple as it was back in the day and the, the key minutes guys got sat out, D-Mac yep. and Jason and Chris, and we only had eight or nine guys at practice, happy days for me. <laughs> happy days. <laughs> you got to show it. The real jersey, you know, we can be on the white squad and we can yep. kind of make some things happen. But um, that said, you know, Scott Morrison from the Wildcats mentioned this yesterday. He said, look, it's, it's part of the daily routine now where we wake up and we make assessments on who's healthy, who's not, who's in ISO, and uh, who, how many guys are we going to have at practice? And that's not just the Wildcats dealing with that. I mean, we talk about some teams that haven't played for a long time. I think about the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Simon Mitchell mentioned the other day, yeah, we haven't played for three weeks, but it's not like it's been a preseason training camp with guys right. as close contacts and not in the gym and other guys awaiting test results because they've been feeling a little unwell. It's yeah. been like their workouts have been like pre-preseason. Right. Where it's individuals and it's just come in and get some shots up and get some, some lifting done. And, and the impact of, of that, of not only not playing for a long time, but not training as a group for a long time, I think is significant, really tough on these teams. Well, I'm very interested to see how the Bullets pull up on, on Sunday and how they show up because they're having a staggered release out of their protocols where certain guys are coming out earlier. I think they're basically coming out in three phases. And again, what type of cohesion are they going to show um, Sunday against New Zealand? Now, if I'm New Zealand, I'm thinking, hey, here's a chance for me to jump these guys. Mm -hmm. um, um, New Zealand have been together. And look, they're doing it tough again. The being on the road this amount of this amount of time and length away from New Zealand and your home is really tough. However, they have been together and they've shown signs of putting it together for a full 40 minutes. This is the game where I think they can do it. Now, I, I know all you guys, everyone, I think, except me, has underestimated this Bullets roster. But Liam, if you look at that roster one to four, Mm -hmm. everyone healthy they have versatility they have talent I just don't see any weakness in fact they probably have one too many guys so whether their cohesion is tested or James Duncan can figure out the combinations on the fly that he needs to go with Sunday you know to lead them down the path because they technically should win this game but it's going to, it, it's really going to require a really solid coaching performance from JD. Um, I agree with you one through four. And what I like about Brisbane outside of that, that top four of what is that? Sobey, Patterson, um, 
Franks. Franks. And I presume you're talking about Dremick there as that as that as that fourth guy. Anyone could he? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Outside of that big three, genuine pros. Tyrell Harrison I, fits that bill now, you Tyler know, Harrison, and then it's Drimmick and Kadee. What did he had a fourteen have, rebound uh, game the other day? His last game, like fourteen yeah. and eight, he was solid. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then they've got the, the talented next star in Digba, who you know is is searching for more opportunity, but seemed like he has a good attitude and has that stay ready kind of mentality. And yeah, you're right. I mean, that, that's a talented team, but for them, and you know, Illawarra is the same. Tassie are going to be the. They've, they've got a bunch of guys. Who are who are unwell right now, and so they're going to have a similar situation in a in a week or two weeks when they come out of that situation. Yep. Southeast Melbourne, who, who as I said, maybe they haven't had heaps of COVID in their squad, but have been sitting out, not playing for a period of time. That that return to play element, I think, is going to be really tough. The 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 stat man Mark Slocum tweeted on NBL Facts yesterday or the day before about the gap that existed in the league mid-season back in 1996 for the Olympic break for the Atlanta Olympics. Do you, do you remember that you were playing for Townsville? I'm going to say. I was playing for Townsville, of course. And the, uh, the all-star game that year was held in Melbourne and we, we played uh, and then all the boomers flew out to Europe. I think it was, or maybe to America. I'm not sure if they had a pre-Olympic event, but they all flew out the night after the all-star game. And then we had an extended break, but it wasn't bad back then because of the alignment of the seasons. We played a lot of state league teams in that, in that stretch. Now, obviously that's not possible now because the the leagues don't coincide, but back then it was easy. I mean, I know you guys used to play a lot of Siebel teams down there, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it was a, it was a different thing. You were able to stay game fresh. Um, I think we played against the Townsville heat back then, Carl Ward, Howie Chambers, you don't remember them. You don't know the history of the game. No, <laughs> <laughs> no my, my history of, of State League in, uh, in Queensland is subpar. Yeah, all you know is Jeremy Kendall. Anyway, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it, it is an interesting time. And, uh, you know, so now you're kind of – it sounds like you're kind of seeing what I mean about the Bullets. And still remember, they've got Isaiah Moss to come in still. True, who you've done some work with. Yes, and it's really helped Isaiah because he had a pretty bad hamstring tear. And, Liam, when I say this guy can shoot the ball, he can shoot the ball. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's straight, it's strong, it's deep, and it's hard to knock him out of his rhythm and his stroke. I'm really excited. And they don't need a lot from him. No one's expecting anything from him. Mm -hmm. So my game plan is, Isaiah, just go in there and knock down a three and a half. Mm. Good from there. you make your first one, you better come down in the next two possessions and get another one up. <laughs> is, is he good to go when they play this week? I haven't checked in with him this week, but last week he was, he was out and he was starting to get some workouts in. So I would imagine that he's ready to roll. Fun fact on Isaiah Moss, which yeah. I'm sure you would know, but the, the, fa- the viewers and the listeners wouldn't, is that he, um, he wears those long sleeves because mm. he doesn't like his tats anymore. Right. I, I, I didn't know that one. And how did you, mm. how did you get this information, Liam? <laughs> no, no, I, I had a catch up like a Zoom um, chat with everyone who was new to the league, right. brand new to the league uh, preseason, uh, getting to know different guys. And one of the questions was, was about their ink, you know, and you find right. out some cool stuff like Mikhail Makatosh in yes. Tasmania. His favorite tattoo is the scene of the Goofy movie 
that he right. has on his forearm. Right. Which I thought was funny. And uh, and Isaiah said, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got heaps actually up and down my arms, but I don't like them anymore, which is yep. why I wear why I wear the sleeves. But yeah, he's uh, he played really well in the NZ NBL. That yep. team prior to getting COVID was playing really well. Go over and win in the jungle, beat the Hawks. Yep. You, that's that's a high level of play. Uh, it's like you say, it's going to be interesting to see how that how they pick things back up and reestablish that momentum. Um, when when they return to play. And then there's some other teams like Illawarra who got struck down. Gorge was saying, we, we got double figure numbers of guys with COVID right now at one point. He said he was using the word decimated in terms of the impact that it's had on his team. So, you know, and AJ Ogilvie was saying, we're gonna, it's going to be a slow build back up on the training yep. floor. And they yep. were, you know, that's a that's a high energy, high tempo team. You know, they really have, they're really trying to get after it. Um, we're playing pretty well to start the season. I like the yeah. fact that they were getting wins despite not fully putting it together. That's what good teams yep. do. And that's but, kind of gorgeous thing, right? They mm. never look totally sharp. Like last year, they got off to a three and zero start, but I think that was just a lot of excitement. Energy. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of excitement. It was novel. Gorge was back. But traditionally, mm-hmm. I don't think Gorge's teams have really come out there. You know how the Tigers back in the day would come out and like looking sharp and you're just like, oh, my God, they may never lose a game. And one year they almost <laughs> didn't, you know. But but Gorge's teams always grind their way into a rhythm. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's willing to experiment a little bit um, with lineups and see who's ready for what. Um, and, you know, but. You know, I thought Trevor Gleason had a bit of that about him too at Perth. For sure. They, and they always had, and that Perth team has had this opportunity again this year. They had a bunch of games at home to begin the season because the Hopman Cup was just around the corner. Yeah. And this year they had those five home games as well, which means this year they, they were, had a new coach, a new system. They also had key guys out. Right, they're bringing Michael Frazier back in, Mitch Norton, Todd Blanchfield, um, yeah. Matt Hodgson, and yet they were still able to win games, which speaks to the quality of Bryce and Vic Law and what everything that they've got within that organization. But it's also nice to be playing those games at home. Trevor Gleason always had that to begin with, and then they'd get into the real meat and potatoes of the season on the road, yeah. and then they'd bring it home with the stretch back at home. Um, the wild well, nice to build you. Nice to build your confidence and then go on the road. Exactly. Yeah. Which, now, yeah, go ahead. Well, which the break is just, just don't get the opportunity to do in any way, shape or form. Trying to build yeah, your confidence with game after game on the road is, it's actually in this league impossible. So check this out. Melbourne are good. And on the basketball show with Shane Hill, you know, I have my segment there. Shane and Joe, I think, underestimated Melbourne. When Melbourne get all their bodies, we're already starting to see the turn. They're going to be tough. tough. They're going to be really tough. Um, and, and, you know, they have those veterans, too, where things are not going to slide. If the, if, if the train starts to go a little bit wobbly, Newley, Bubbles, uh, Barlow, even Dally. Jack White's got a certain maturity about him, I think. And I think that comes from his, his experience with Coach K. You know, he knows what winning looks like. He knows what's required. And I think as a young veteran, I, I just – and Dino. And Dino being, being 
the master there. That you can't underestimate Melbourne now. I, I kind of have them now taking over where Perth were as running off a bunch of a bunch of years now in the playoffs with a chance to win the championship. Let me tell you, if mm-hmm. I had to put everything on the line right now, I know everyone's in love and wants to be up in our up and happy about Southeast Melbourne. There's no way I'm picking Southeast Melbourne over United. I hear you. I want to but, see Southeast Melbourne back out on the floor and to continue to build on what they were doing. And Joe can continue to, I mean, I, I think they have the pieces to be a to, to be in that space. But I feel you. I mean, I I never, and I hate this when have these moments where it's the I told you so moments, but I, I mean I just agree with you because in the preseason, I never had and in the early, early preseason, all the way through to now, I've never had any concerns about Melbourne United being a genuine championship contender, being in the top four. You yeah. have to, you have to, you're going to have to beat them and Perth, really, if you're going to want to win this title. And then oh, there's other teams, Southeast Melbourne and Illawarra and Brisbane and Sydney, like you're all the challengers. But this league is like, yes, it's Perth and it's Melbourne United right now. And you've got to go through those dominant forces to win the title and plus dean's not afraid to coach like he will get out there and get after it and you know i really admire that about him he has a great some coaches can't sense the moment just Mm. like some players can't and you can see when dean knows hey it might be game four of the season it might be game three of the week and he realized you know what either my players aren't with it Mm-hmm. somebody's not playing D he's doing whatever it takes. And I think he's very true to what he believes in and he's willing to execute his plan irrespective of who you are as a player. And we saw that with Mello Trimble, which I was highly critical of at the time. I thought Dean had lost his mind. <laughs> what bringing him off the bench or yeah. The, the, yeah. Um, worked out well. Jeez. They made worked a run. Out great. That. Yeah. And this is the thing about Dean Vickerman. It's why he's a legendary coach. And why United, he's won three titles and United haven't missed the playoffs since he's been at that organization with that kind of talent at his fingertips is because everything you just laid out there, he, he has his values, he has his culture, he understands how to win in this league. Like, like Brian Gorgian worked out, like Trevor yep. Gleason worked out, Vickerman is yep. in that same space. And he has the, the um, chutzpah and the, the, the wherewithal to keep guys accountable. Yep. The moment the moment that always jumps out to me when I think about that with Dean Vickerman is in their 2018 championship series. He and uh, Josh Boone was the starting center. He was all NBL first team, best center yep. in the league. Yep. And I remember the Sydney Kings came to town. You remember they just signed Jeremy Tyler? Of course. Right? Remember Jeremy Tyler was in the league yes. for a few weeks. And Jeremy Tyler comes into town and in the, his first catch, Sydney's first possession – Jeremy Tyler catches it in the block, the mid block. He reverse pivots, rises up, knocks it in off the backboard like he's the big fundamental. Yeah. Sub, Josh Boone out of the game. First possession was the undisputed best center in the league. He's an import. Vico's like, nope, sit out. Didn't even need to speak to him. He walked past Vico, sat at the end of the bench, came back in maybe later in the first quarter. All of a sudden, when Jeremy Tyler was catching it in the block, Josh Boone was crawled up right in his stuff. 
yeah. asked him, Vickerman, after the game, what, what was with that early hook on Josh Boone? He said, well, we, it, was, it's the, it was the number one thing on the scout for Jeremy Tyler right. was when he catches it, make him put it to the floor. So yeah, when our man catches it and rises up and shoots the jumper that we said we want to take away, first possession, I know you're not locked in. I know you didn't read or aren't paying attention to the scout. You're out of the game. That's championship level coaching. For real. And I see so many coaches around the world. I mean, obviously, I watch a lot of basketball. And I, I watch the fine stuff. I watch how players react to their coaches or coaches react to players. Like, when a timeout's called, what's the interaction? What's the body language like? That can tell you so much about it. And so many coaches at all levels in this country are afraid to hold talented players accountable. Mm-hmm. That's your job. That's your job. And, and Trevor Gleason did a great job. People hated him for years until they realized, oh, wait a minute. My man's got a whole bunch of rings. <laughs> Can I take a point, though? Go ahead. Every NBL club has a unique advantage that disposes them to win their home games. Perth. Perth, travel. You fly over there, Liam. What time did you used to wake up on game day over there in Perth? See, did, I'm shut it down when I talk about the time difference. What? It, it matters. It, oh it's, my God. I'd wake, up at 5 a, I'd wake up at 5 a.m. at the hotel, hungry. <laughs> you can't eat. Right. You can't then, eat, right? This so is I'm why the, I'm walking around the first CBD looking for somewhere to eat because breakfast not until eight. My body clock is on eight. It's 5 a.m. there. Uh huh. I'm not waking up at 5 a.m. on a game day ever. And it's so, it's no coincidence that the Wildcats smash everyone. In the third quarter, at home, every game. Yep. Because it's it's like midnight for most people at that point when they come out at halftime. Yep. So as my far as point, their body clock's concerned. So my point is there. You can probably give them, let's say on an average Perth Wildcast performance, you could give them six wins just from the time difference. The Army. Okay. The Army's now, huge. Now, now. They've got Bryce Cotton, the best player of the league. You can probably add another two-plus wins to that. Okay? Previous years, they had Trevor Gleason. You could probably add another two wins. So this is how I would do my calculations. How many wins did the Red Army give them? Let's factor that in with the, with the six I gave them with the Perth thing, the whole okay. travel over there. The Red Army is just saying really vile stuff to you and rattling some of your softer players mentally. <laughs> that, that is true. Although, although it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the circle of life over there in Perth because the Red Army's consistent, passionate, devoted fandom of that team is why they can pay a guy like Bryce Cotton as much as it re- is needed to pay him. Yo, why are you getting all up in Bryce's wallet? Bryce is just trying to enjoy the game. I'm just saying. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm just saying they can eat the luxury tax hit yeah. because the army keeps buying their memberships year in year out and they can do what they need to do it's all but, it's you're, a, but you're right it's, it's such an important cycle wildcats win you guys keep supporting us or mm-hmm. you guys keep supporting helping us win you got you know what it's just mm-hmm. it's, it's the ultimate perfect 
cycle of basketball. Perfect. You know, so who else has an advantage? Melbourne has an advantage, like I was talking to before with those veteran guys, with Dino. But I don't give them the type of advantage that first have playing out there. I would say you can give them, with those things I mentioned before, you could probably give them seven victories. Who else has that type of advantage? Cams. Adelaide back in the day, when they used to have those referees working, Caroline, <laughs> uh, Weeksy, and Michael Butler, they were plus five. <laughs> they gave you nothing nothing i'd average i'd average nine free throws a game in, everywhere else down there i get like two free throws a game <laughs> no but i mean you know what i mean so where else has advantage can, the top I, you get, can you get an advantage Liam, you hop off the plane you feel oh. like you've arrived in bali <laughs> damon larry had the best description of the uh the um humidity in far north Queensland, he says antisocial. <laughs> the moment you get off the plane, you're like, I just want to get in my room, turn the air conditioning to max, and not talk to anybody. And that's not good. That is not good for performing at an elite level of basketball. That's not good. And you, but your other choice is go out to the pool. <laughs> go out to the pool. Mm -hmm. You might see a few girls walking around in the lobby. You might roll the dice thinking you might meet one of them up at the pool. Very <laughs> unlikely, but your head's playing games with you. So you decide to go out in the pool. I'll just be up there for half an hour. Mm. Oh, it's 35. <laughs> so cans do have an advantage. Yes. They have a way. In fact, pause there for a minute and let's talk about these type ends. Yeah. Because you've got to give them some love for how they've played these last couple of games without their guys. I, I actually like the way they're playing better. I think they're playing more united. Um, they're playing with more vigor and maybe a bit, a bit more carefree about the way they're going about it. Um, obviously, mm. they're not a better team. Don't get, don't get it twisted. They're not a better team, in my opinion, um, without Scott Machado. But sometimes over the short term, you can cover a few patches. Now, in three weeks, Liam, without Scott Machado, I don't know how long he's out. Yeah. But if they can't, I would be surprised they started taking some lumps. What I like about the way they're playing without him right now is it's, yeah. it's balls to the wall. It's yeah. high octane. It's high energy. And it is it most closely resembles what they had in his first year when they were a game away from a grand final appearance. What they've looked like in these last couple of games, one with Tajima call, one without with Majuk yeah. Deng and their, their, their activity, their on D, their energy, their, their length. It's yeah. what, they, what they were getting done in that year. And when Scott comes back, he needs to come back with, in that kind of mindset of, kind of, re, of coming back into that pace of play. And, and I mean pace of play also defensively, where they're, they're kind of doubling and trapping and getting in passing yeah. lanes. Um, because that Look, energy nothing, has been one beautiful. One thing that's never going to change about basketball, if that ball has energy and it's popping, I don't care mm. what the shots are. That ball's popping. It is very tough on defense, on defensive teams to try and shut you down. I don't care mm. how good they are. But in Mike Kelly's defense, because I was highly critical of him last mm. year, in his defense, Majuk Dang was hurt most of the year, and he is mm. a huge part. 
you know, they brought him up there to play a huge role. Like he was starting to show with Joey Wright down in Adelaide. And only, you know, that's probably the first game where he really showed what he's capable of the other night. Mm. You know, he, he's inside, outside. He's active. He's long. He's a good athlete. And he's a pretty damn smart player. I think his mm. intelligence is, is underrated at times. Mm. No, excited for him. You know, he puts on a, uh, a career high. And then he comes out the next game and makes sets a new mark of a career high. Yeah, um, I'm excited for him. And you know, he's, this is a beautiful place. This is where a guy gets into a space where he's just super confident. The coach is kind of telling him, "Hey, mate, just go out there and be you at the highest yeah. level." Um, I, I, hopefully, he can just keep building on that and continue to have a, a massive season. It sort of it looks a little bit like um, you know we've seen those guys over the last few years. I remember back four or five years, I think it was that 2017 season when Mitch Creek went down early. Nathan mm-hmm. Serby comes into the starting lineup for the Adelaide 36ers breakout year. Playing yes. is super confident. Joe is just like, mate, just, just play. That's where yeah. Majuk Dang is right now. Um, you seem to really have an admiration for Southeast Melbourne. Um, yeah, I kind of feel it. And I really, I really like the big man. He is, I, 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 that that was probably, that's probably been one of the more disappointing aspects of this little break we've had because Mm. I really enjoyed watching him play, man. He was excited. And I like the matchup that he had against Joe, um, JLA. Huge game. That was a really good game. He was throwing Joe stuff up out of there. And we haven't seen that when Joe rises up to shoot that jump hook. And somebody's catching that thing at the peak, like yeah. that's big time basketball. Yeah, um, he's the he's a difference maker, hundred percent. If he can stay on the floor, if he can stay out of foul trouble, um, he's a, and he's something. And I've said this before. He's something that they have never had, right? In their well, that, when I say never, it's only been two seasons, but they just haven't had a rim protector, right? The first season it didn't work out with Keith Benson. Dame Pino was spectacular, but he's not a shot blocker. He's yeah. a great pick and roll defender if you want to be aggressive on those coverages 100% but he's not going to protect the rim and for everything that Yanni Wetzel is and I love Yanni Wetzel and I think he has a big future in the game he's not that either and so when you've got some guys on the perimeter who do let guys get by him from time to time uh, you need that kind of presence so that's huge for them and the other reason I'm high on them and yes Tommy Greer is my guy yes Simon Mitchell coached me back in the day yep but I like what they have built over the last few years you look at everything that we've been talking about with the wildcats and with melbourne united under dean vickerman um i see southeast melbourne have built a similar vibe where they've come in off the top and i i think tommy did a smart thing off the when when they first got going off of course mitch creek is just the you know just an exceptional foundation piece you know, you can build a championship contender around a guy like that. With Look, the, Tommy, the knows what he, Tommy knows what he's doing. There's yeah. no question of that. He knows what he's doing and mm. he's going the right way there. It's not brushed. Nope. But the, I, beautiful, I the like other thing that they, the, the thing he did nicely was um, he had some flexibility in those contracts right out of the game. Because it's hard, you know, we see it's hard as an expansion team to put a, put a crew together. But yeah. he didn't sign Ben Madgen to a three-year deal. Two years and a player option. Some to a one plus one team option. So he was very helpful in that year one, but 
do you know what? With what that we're what we're trying to build here, I got like a chance to get Cam Glidden and Ruben Tarangi. Uh, it's not we need to go in a different direction. I got flexibility to to move in that regard. The Dan Trist, he's not on a three, he wasn't on a three year deal. It was on one plus one that you could move on from. So I like the what he did behind the scenes there, and then I like the what what Simon Mitchell has built the the uh, from a cultural and a values perspective within that team. Yep. Plus. The continuity, as we know, we say it all the time, in this league, the combination of high-level talent and continuity is a massive recipe for success. And even though this is only their third year of existence, they brought the majority of that team that was a half away from getting to a grand final, arguably a half away from a championship last season, they brought them back so they can build on what they were achieving last year. So I am high on them. I think like Perth and like Melbourne, I think that they're going to be right in the mix at the pointy end of the season. I have some concerns about Sydney. I'm worried about the mix. Talk to me. So prior to the Jordy Hunter injury, I was always a bit concerned about how those three really good players were going to make it work. I'm talking about Hunter, Martin, and Cooks. Mm. Um, if I was in the Kings program in the offseason, I would have had X out on the perimeter learning as much as he can about playing the three. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's – I don't know if he's ever going to get there. It's going to take – it's going to take a lot of time. He's – look, he looks more comfortable in the four as that effort guy, as that energy guy. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who you can throw it to on the wing and say, make a play on a regular basis or in critical possessions. I think that right now and probably for the next 18 to two years, it's probably an injustice to expect him to do that. I think Martin's that, Martin is that guy. But it would have been nice if Cooks could have been that guy as well. But you need another one. Who's that next guy? I, f- I just feel like I feel you. I hear you. Um, Melbourne United are doing that with Jack White right now, trying to turn him into a small forward. At least give me some minutes in the three. Yeah. And I will say this. His stroke is looking better. He's right. Xavier Cooks, you can, the stroke itself is looking smoother. And it's never going to be a, a Picasso. Yep. But, it's, but it's looking smoother. And you can see he has, impre- he has increased confidence in it. I haven't dug into this, but I'm going to assume he's working with Daniel Kickett. On that thing, not a bad person to work with. I think Daniel could shoot the ball pretty well. <laughs> uh, so that helps. Xavier Cooks, the year before he came to the NBL, shot forty percent from three in Germany on a reasonable number of attempts, on a reasonable volume. Then he came here and he just can't kick it in the ocean. Fifteen, twenty percent. It just wasn't there for a couple of seasons, and it was really tough to play him at the three. Uh, this, and that's hard. It's, it's, at that, it's like, was that a fluke or was that a sign of what he can do? You know, the 40% in Germany. And, you know, I would probably be optimistic and say, okay, if we work, mm. we, we can get you there. I, I, I tend not to believe that things like that are fluky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if it was a low amount of attempts, that, that, I mean, it's a long season over there. Um, I think, and I've... Just from those watching these last couple of games that they've played and the way he's released it, he's knocked a couple down. I'm yep. starting to think, okay, maybe there's some hard, real hard work going on behind the scenes 
Kings and, and he's grown in some confidence there. But I just can't judge the Kings at all until we see a bunch of games with Jalen Adams running the show. He's For me, he's the key to that team. Those guys are all great pieces. I like Jarrell Martin has a really talented skill set. Is he better at the four? Is he better at the five? I'd say more so the four. But yeah. without Jordan Hunter, it makes it difficult for him to play extended minutes in that spot. Well, I mean, I mean, Hunter's injury is better for Cooks. It slides him up to the four. Yep. But the team and is I think not. Those guys are good enough. You got Cooks and Martin. That's that's a legit four or five combination. It's just that it would have been great to have Hunter. And like, if they were all healthy, how are you going to play them? Are you going to bring Hunter off the bench? How is that going to look? Yeah. Well, you could have a look at all at how it all looks. You could have a look as at Hunter, Martin, Cooks. You could you could start Martin and Cooks, bring bring Hunter off the bench. You got all kinds of versatility to play with, and that's what they wanted when they put that squad together. Um, it's but the key is Jalen Adams. He's, yeah. he's so good, Jalen Adams. Like people, we saw a little one game of him in preseason. We saw one game of him in the regular season, which they won. They beat Melbourne United, no Chris yeah. Golding. Uh, he needs to get a, a few games under his belt for everyone to kind of get a proper read on this Sydney Kings team because they're not who they're supposed to be unless they have him on the floor. And that will help, that will help shift the guard rotation more like I'm, I'm thinking Chase Buford envisioned it. And now mm-hmm. with DJ coming back, see, I think DJ is a huge piece. Because mm-hmm. he's that guy, and now it's hard. You can't lump all of those expectations. Like, because he can get the ball on the wing and make some things happen off the threat of that three-point shot. You know, he he's a professional scorer. That guy, even though he's a young veteran, he's a young player still. He is he is accomplished as a scorer. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He got it in the other day in his first game back, and I was like, he just knows how to score the basketball. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Minutes restriction, I imagine he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this break is good for the Kings, actually. Yeah. Oh, well, they get the early signs. The signs are good that John Adams will be back this week. Yeah. Um, and they can sort of start to, to build from there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Not having, having a, a smaller amount of games while he was still recovering from injury is helpful for them. Once those guys are healthy and you've got DJ – you only need about 25 minutes a game from DJ and you've got Adams and you've got Bruce. Okay. Now you've got cooks, Martin, Vodanovic. Now things are starting to look different just because you've got that central figure back into your lineup. Now that works for the Kings, but like a team like Brisbane, I don't think they have that similar, like, yeah, they would be damaged if Sobe were out. But they've got so many pieces. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're as adversely affected as, say, the Kings have been. No, I agree with you. And t- Jalen Adams is um, really tough off the off the pick and roll. Makes great reads. Can hurt you every which way. Dr- pick and roll, dribble handoffs. You slip under. He can rise up. He can. He can hit you with the pull up. He he's a great playmaker out of those those situations and the way and you just chest- gotta be you gotta be putting him in pnr with martin because the beautiful thing about martin all he needs is a sliver mm. and he can punish you all types of way and mm-hmm. he's how is he athletic 
does he look so unathletic? And then he'll just pull off a stupid dunk. <laughs> I know, that's true. Uh, like that one down the lane a couple of weeks ago. He, he like put it behind his back and was yeah. like, what? Yeah. I know. Uh, and that's what Chase Buford envisaged with this team is, yes, we're going to play high octane. Cooks, Martin, whoever grabs it off the defensive glass, push it, everyone fill lanes. But if they don't have anything down that middle cylinder, they immediately turn to their left or right and it's a dribble handoff. And the idea is it's most of the time, that's a dribble handoff to Jalen Adams. So bam, we're in that, we're, now we're in semi-transition, secondary mm-hmm. transition. We're starting to get into what we want to execute in the half court, but the ball's in our man's hand here to make yeah. plays. And they haven't, yeah. that when they scored 47 points against Melbourne, that handoff was towards Bowali Bales or it was towards uh, Sean Bruce or someone else who are themselves good players, but not, at the level in those types of moments as Jalen Adams. So I want to see, and as a result, look, they're the, they lead the league in pace or they're second in pace behind Melbourne United. And we knew they would be in that realm, but they're last in offensive efficiency. Right. Because it just hasn't been what, what they, what they envisaged it being. So Jalen Adams, massive piece of that. And also to see him back. As Chase gets used to the league and starts to realize the idiosyncrasies and understands just all that there is to take in in this league, because it is a very, we said no, numerous times, it is a really unique league and people look at it, but you got to be in here and feel it and see how the game's officiated. And, you know, the Aussie mentality is different to how they approach the coaches, all that type of stuff is different. And once he gets accustomed, it's going to take him a minute and they'll continue to improve because obviously he's got talent as a coach and as, a, as, a, as an evaluator. So I've got no doubt that they're only going to go up, but they need Adams back. That's, you're right. He is the linchpin. Mm. I'm going to see it this weekend amongst uh, the games, the rescheduled games that, that we've got on the slate. You're going to be on sideline for two of them in I Cairns am. and in and Brisbane. Correct. Brisbane Sunday and Cairns uh, Tuesday evening. Outstanding. Awesome, man. Well, it's great to to chew it up with you and uh, looking forward to working with you again on the broadcast. Always a treat, Liam, and you're doing a great job. Thanks for having me on the show, man. Speak again soon, man. Okay, see you. Peace.